Morning. Welcome. There's a lot of people here. It's a good thing. Hey man, it's so good to see you this morning. It really is because I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about something that I have a passion for. And I have a passion for worship. Anyone else have a passion for worship? Yeah? A few people? That's good. But what happens when you're on your way to church, you're in the car with your wife, and the conversation is not so pleasant. And you get to this place, you walk in through the doors, and you hear the church in a roar. Everyone's worshipping. Everyone is worshipping, but you've walked in with a bad mood. It might not have been because you had a bad conversation with your wife. It might have been because you've had a long week. It might have been because Saturday was just a long day. It was, supposed to day. It was a day you're supposed to relax. You said you woke up on Saturday, you said, I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to have a beer and then I'm going to sit down I'm going to relax. And that's going to be the day. But then something happened. All of a sudden your kid starts throwing up and you end up at the hospital. Yeah. And at the hospital you're down at Griffith Base and the waiting times are always a little bit long. So you're there for a while and your Saturday is ruined and you come in on Sunday morning and it's time to worship God and you just don't feel like worshiping God. Everyone's smiling and you just walk in just, You go, you sit down, the songs get sung, and we're here to worship a creator God, but because of your mood, you're not, you're not ready to worship. You're not feeling like you want to worship. Has that ever happened to anyone else, or is that just me? <laughs> it's just my experience. Is that right? Oh, all the people that struggle with that, they were at the first service. This is all the angels in this service, yeah? No one here has a problem with coming into worship. Amen. Amen. So when you come in on a day like that, when you're unable to worship because your mood is just, it's not there, you're not in the mood to worship, what do you do? You worship anyway. And that's the title of today's message. I want you to take, if, you, if there's anything that you're going to take from today, I want you to just remember the title. If you don't remember a scripture, if you don't remember another point, if you would just remember to come into the house with other believers and worship Anyway, because the idea is when we worship based on our feelings, our feelings are fleeting. Isn't that true? Yeah, because I can be happy and excited to speak to you now, but if you come outside and you meet me after the service, I've been here for two services, so I'm a little bit tired. So if you come and meet me after this I might not be so jovial, and my feelings might have taken a bit of a dip because I just want to eat, I'm hungry. <laughs> but that's, that's the truth, because if we follow our feelings, if we allow our feelings to control our actions, we walk into a space where God is worthy of our utmost worship, but if I let my, di- my feelings dictate what I do, and whether or not I worship, then I'm going to be like a, a roller coaster. I'll hit my highs and I'll hit my lows. I'll hit a peak and I'll hit a dip. And then you throw up. Exactly. But here's the thing. Actually, I want to go to a definition first. If you're like me, then you don't own a dictionary, so you Google everything. So Mr. Google says, oh, I better turn this on. 
Mr. Google says, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. That is what Google will define as worship. Okay? The feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. If you go to the Old English, we're looking for the origin. I'm not going to read what that word is under Old English. I'll read the, uh, under the English. So the, the, the origin of the word is worth-ship. So the idea is that when we come into worship, the thing that ought to dictate whether or not we are fervent in our worship isn't how we feel. The thing that ought to dictate the way that we worship is the worth of the thing that we're worshiping. And I declare in the house today that there is nothing more worthy of your worship than our King of kings and our Lord of lords. So, when it comes to a point, and I'm, I'm sort of not feeling, I need to be reminded of the truth that God is still worthy of my worship whether or not I feel like it. He's still worthy of my utmost attention even when I've had a bad day and I'm feeling crummy. I'm just... It's been a long week and I just, I don't want to be here. I'm around people that I don't know. There's a new group of faces in the house and I just don't want to do it. Because of God's worth, I will worship. Not because of how I feel. Amen? Amen. And that ought, that ought to be our, that ought to be our, our standard. Our standard is not set by whether or not we're feeling good or whether or not we want to worship. It's set by God's worthiness of our worship. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Scripture. Thankfully, even if we are feeling in these types of ways, and just about any type of situation that you're going to find yourself in, Scripture has something to say about it. And thankfully, it has something to say about this. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 16, verses 21, to chapter 17, verse 4. Okay? So, to give you a bit of background on this story, Jesus is uh, on His way to Jerusalem, and He's making His way through Samaria. And they stop off at Samaria because they need some takeaway. All right, the guys are going to look for some Maccas. And he's at the well where the coke is. All right. So he's at the well, and there's a lady at the well, and she's a Samaritan woman. And culturally, they don't mix. They're not supposed to talk to each other. First of all, she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. And they don't see eye to eye. And the other idea is that in the, in the culture of the day, men and women didn't talk to each other in public. So he crosses two cultural boundaries. And he starts to he asks the woman for a drink of water. So the conversation goes on. He tells her that she's been married before and she's had many wives. And she turns the conversation from herself because she, she's obviously embarrassed. But she turns the conversation to a theolo- theological conversation about worship. Okay? So we're going to pick up from there. In verse 21 it reads, Do not set up... Oh! Sorry, I'm talking about the next scripture I'm going to share. This has nothing to do with that. <laughs> all right, let's, let's, read, let's read this one. Just remember all of that for the next scripture. All right, from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 4. Let's read. No, I don't even say anything. You just, you just sat there and watched me. <laughs> okay, I'll get on to the other guys later. <laughs> he sat there and let me talk about that. Anyway, do not set up any wooden asherah pole beside the altar you built to the Lord your God. And do not erect a sacred stone. For these the Lord your God hates. First of all, Asherah poles in the day were very common. They were found all throughout the New Testament. You're going to find them. If you, have, if you read through the New Testament, you know that 
Asherah poles and Asherah poles, they are very common in the time. And these are poles that were set up, they were monuments that were set up, and uh, sometimes they would act as a pedestal for a deity to be sat on top of, or otherwise it was just a monument that was set up, and it was always dedicated to a god, a deity. Yeah? So these are actually what we would call today idols. Idols. Okay? Remember that. Starting from verse, uh, from chapter 17, verse 1. Do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it, for that would be detestable to him. Okay. Understand that this is how you worship in the day. You worship by going and getting an animal, bringing it to the altar, and giving it to a priest, and he would sacrifice the, the, the animal on your behalf. And after the sacrifice was given, you were pardoned of your sins. Okay? So this is normal. But the thing is, the offering had to be acceptable. It couldn't be just any any animal or vermin, like you just like a stray dog just run out, hey, hey, sacrifice. Yeah, I got mine for today. Yeah? No, it couldn't be like that. It had to be something that you would go to your to a to a flock or a herd, or you'd go to someone who had a flock or a herd, and you would ask them for an animal and they would give you an animal that you have to buy that and then you would take it to the altar to be sacrificed. Okay? And the idea is that the sacrifice had to be acceptable to God. How many times have you come into worship and left and actually walked out of here knowing within your heart that what you had to offer God in worship was not acceptable? How was your attitude in that? Yeah? Don't answer out loud. You might get shunned out of this place. That's cool. Alright, let's move on. On it, it will be detestable to him. So from verse 2. If a man or woman living among you in one of the towns the Lord gives you is found doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God in violation of his covenant and contrary to the command has worshipped other gods bowing down to them or to the sun or the moon or the stars in the sky and this has been brought to you to your attention then you must investigate it thoroughly. That's only half of verse 4 if you read on to the rest of that uh, verse in that chapter. What happens to the person who worships other idols? They're gone. So, thankfully, God is gracious. And that's not what we practice anymore. <laughs> Otherwise, this church would be empty. Yeah? Okay. So, uh, that proves that, that goes to the point that worship is not only supposed to be done at a personal level. Yeah? Because if worship was only meant to be done personally, then none of this would be an issue. Because if worship was done at a personal level, you could worship a deity and no one would know. And it wouldn't matter. But the idea of worship is that, in a, in a, in a communal level, is that we come together to worship, that we might be able to also hold each other accountable to what we are worshipping. Because it's easy in today's day and age to get sidetracked and distracted, isn't it? Yeah? And I'm not talking just about whether or not you come to church or whether or not you, you believe. Or not, but I'm just talking about distraction in general. 
there's always an ad. No matter where you go, you're on your phone, you're at, the, you're at work, or you're, you're, you're at home, you're watching TV, or whatever you're doing, there's always an ad. So distractions are always coming and bombarding us constantly. And sometimes it's easy to fall into the trap. Let's move on. Oh. You help me out, bro? Please? There we go. The thing is, it's easy to fall into the trap when you are passionate about something that may be misplaced. Don't get me wrong, passion is always a, it's a good thing. Passion can be an awesome thing. In fact, the guys who come up here and sing on a Sunday morning and use their instruments, they're passionate about music. Very passionate about music. So passionate so that they would practice during the week so that they could come and bring their best before God and before the church and lead them in worship before our King. So passion doesn't always have to be bad, but misplaced passion will cause you to worship something that ought not to be worshipped. I've been copping flack about the Broncos all day. All right? But sports. Who's passionate about sports? Yeah? We've got a few people passionate about sports? Yeah, just a few. But we were, I guarantee if we were at a sports event, this place wouldn't be quiet. Who's passionate about sports? Yeah! Right? You can see passion at an under-six game. Yeah, under-six. You go to an under-six game. You won't see passion as much on the field, but you'll see it on the sideline. Go, Johnny! Go! Go! Yeah? Parents go crazy when they see their kids playing. They go nuts. It's the, it's the reason sometimes they're, they're like, people are like, all right, we can't have parents cheering anymore. It's gotten to that point. We've got parents who are passionate about their kids playing sport. Not to say, no, once again, passion isn't bad. But misplaced passion, once again, misplaced passion will lead you into worship of things that do not deserve your worship. If you're so concerned about self-image, everything that you portray to the world needs to be perfect. We live in a world of likes and hearts and comments and thumbs up, thumbs down. So we live in a world where these things almost have become so important in our lives where we end up worshipping social media sometimes. How many of you, oh, how many of us, sometimes first thing in the morning, I'm not talking about all the time because you guys are angels, but sometimes first thing in the morning, the first thing you reach for and touch is your phone. Yeah? No? Holy rollers here, holy rollers. Yeah? Obviously, yeah, because everyone's got the alarm. That's the excuse. Yeah? And then it's like, alarm, swipe, open, scroll. 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 Yeah? Am I speaking to anybody? Am I speaking to myself? Yeah, that's true? Yeah. So if we are allowing our attention to be drawn into things that are taking our passion our worship ends up going there as well. Because if it's taking your passion, that means it's taking your time. That means your time isn't going to be spent anywhere else. Some of us have a passion for making money. 
So I shouldn't look at anyone in the eye right now. <laughs> it really is. Like sometimes we get into a season where we're making so much money that it just becomes, it, it overwhelms us and it overcomes us. And the Bible isn't, isn't soft when it talks about money. The Bible's very hard. The Bible talks about money all the time. If you want a hard word on finance, go and read the Bible. You're not going to get a hard word anywhere else. So our finances, sometimes they can control us. And if we allow, us, if we allow it to, it becomes a passion for us. Oh, but I'm, I'm a passionate about the career. And that's, that's amazing. As long as your career is feeding a worship of God. So remember, what you are passionate about will end up receiving your worship. Amen? Amen. This is a scripture. There's a few people here that should have said something that didn't say anything. We're going we're gonna to talk to you later. So this is where we find Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. Okay? So he's, he, he sat down at the well and he's talking to the woman. And she's, uh, she's changed the conversation and she wants to talk about theology and she starts to talk about worship. Okay? It's one of the strongest verses and pieces of the Bible where you're going to encounter worship. Alright. So from verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Okay? So there's a bit of a uh, of mixing culture where they, where they miss. Okay, so the Samaritans said that they would worship on that mountain, whereas the Jews would say, no, you worship in Jerusalem. That's where worship is. Okay, and it used to be that that was the case. You had to go to a place to worship. And I feel like some of us still have the mentality that you have to go to a place to worship. And I want to dispel that here this morning because... If you think that you have to come here to worship, you're mistaken. Very mistaken. Okay, let's read on. Uh, no, let's stick on that. Because, no, I want to talk about worship in, a, in the context of a building. Worship was never, ever, ever meant to be confined to a place. The reason the garden was so freeing for Adam and Eve was because God was already there. They didn't have to find somewhere else to go and worship God. He was there. That's why it was so freeing for them to be there in the garden. But you don't have to go and find a place. God is not confined to the four walls of this building. In fact, God walked in with you when you walked into this house. He wasn't here waiting for you. He was with you at the house before you... Walked in. He was with you while you still had the grumpy face in the car before you had to turn it into a smile when you walked into the foyer. He was with you then. Okay, so we as people sometimes have confined worship to a place, and that's wrong thinking. Let's move on. Verse 21, Jesus says, Woman! Woman, woman, woman. (laughs) 
begged me on. Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So he's just saying, it's not about the place. Stop worrying about the place. Okay? Nor in Jerusalem. Oh, where am I? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. And then in verse 23, Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in where the true worshippers will worship the Father with the full band in the court of G. Yeah? That's exactly what it says. If you don't have a band, you're not going to worship. Right? Is that right or am I wrong? I'm wrong. Right? No. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Can you say it with me? In spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. You see, your spirit man already knows who daddy is. Already knows who daddy is. Your spirit is already under already knows very well where it came from. Pastor Peter Burns up in New Horizons in, uh, in Sydney, he, he puts it well when he says that we are not people with a body. We are not bodies with a mind that contain a spirit. It's backward thinking. We are spirit with a body and a mind. Therefore, the first thing that you are is spirit. And your spirit knows to worship God. Better yet, your spirit knows to worship. Your mind still has to choose who. Yeah, so we talk about it a lot here. We talk about the renewal of the mind. The renewal of the mind. The renewal of the mind. Yeah? But nowhere in that text do you hear them mention a five-string bass. Nowhere in that text do you see them mention a six-string guitar or a tom. Not to say that they're bad things. I love watching Jamie on a Sunday morning. You ever sit there and just watch them? Yeah? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah? It's good. Dude loves it. He's passionate about playing his bass. That's awesome. That's awesome. But misplaced passion, once again, misplaced passion will lead you in worship of the wrong thing. You know, it's not, it's not uncommon for, for us as people to, to connect worship with music. In fact, growing up, um, I grew up, uh, how do you say? I grew up, I didn't, I didn't choose to follow God. I was forced to follow God. I had, uh, I had parents who, who didn't give me a choice, but uh, it was fine. I learned to love God a little bit later on. 
because I was forced to be in church. I didn't have a choice, and that was fine. But throughout my whole upbringing, I remember hearing songs of worship all the time. So I made a connection very quickly that worship is music. Worship is music. Worship is music. And growing up, so sitting in the back of my dad's Commodore station wagon, listening to a cassette tape. You guys remember cassette tapes? You remember you used to try and record on cassette tapes what songs you got on the radio? Yeah? And you try to get it to stop before the ads come on? <laughs> you remember those? Yeah, so cassette tape. But he would put it, he put, he put this, uh, it was a Carlton Pearson cassette tape and it was a, it was a concert from Azusa Street in America. And I remember listening to this over and over again, but we had a pretty, it was a pretty cool, uh, tape recorder because it was one of those ones where you, you'd put the tape in and when you'd finished one side, you didn't have to take it out and flip it. It just, it just played the other side. So we were pretty, we were pretty happy with that. We thought it was pretty cool. It was one of those tape recorders. Anyway, so I would listen to that and I would belt out those songs day after day after day after day. Growing up in a church and growing up in kids' church when I was a kid, my, uh, my auntie, like my mom's sister, so my auntie, auntie, she was my Sunday school teacher. So I didn't have a choice but to sing in the kids' choir. And we had these, they were actually Broncos colors too. There was actually a, a gold and maroon gown. So we'd, we'd get up on a Sunday, all of us kids, and we'd sing like, The animals, they came in. Get those. No, no one knows that song. Wow, that's really old. Out on the aki, aki children of the Lord. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll sing it later. That's a good. Okay? But going on from there, as I was growing up and I became an adolescent, uh, my other aunt, my great aunt, she was actually the, uh, the conductor for the choir, the church choir. So as you probably know, we didn't have a choice for that either. While the other kids were off in the afternoon down at the park, my brother and my cousins, we were there at choir practice with all the 60 plus year olds. And I was like, it taught me how to harmonize, that's for sure. But I did not want to be there. So I grew up with this misconstrued idea that worship was about music. And that was wrong. No. Worship was never, ever just meant to be about music. Worship is not confined to a place, time, style, or expression. Worship is all about a heart posture. The way that your heart is postured toward God in everything that you do. Not in simply the, the singing of a song or the, the, the key, the way the, the chords are changing. That's not the only place you're supposed to worship. You're supposed to worship God when you wake up on a Monday morning and you don't want to go to work. Worship God then. You know, some of my greatest encounters, I believe, when, when I've been able to to encounter God and His goodness have been while I was actually at work. So I work at a winery, for those of you who might not know, and um, at a winery you put a lot of additives in wine. I don't know why you drink it. I'm joking, I drink it too. (laughs) Anyway, but you put a lot of additives in wine. There's a lot of stuff that goes into wine. And um, I was holding this, uh, I remember holding a bag of citric one day and I was 
heading up the stairs, and I was humming to myself. I was humming Reckless Love. And that Reckless Love was just going around in my mind, and God was just reminding me of the things that He's brought me through. And He was bringing up to memory this, the, the, the breakthrough that He's had in my life and the things that He's blessed me with in a family, but even more so in, in, in my family growing up, the things that He had brought us through. And I'm there, I'm carrying this, this bag of citric upstairs, and my sunnies are on my head, and I'm doing these ones. I'm doing these. Like, get the sunnies down, because I can't cry at work. I can't cry at work. <laughs> and he was just hitting me with this love. So I finally got my sunnies down, and I'm like, man, Lord, I finally I put the additive in the tank, and I just take a moment to just, to just relax and just be present in God's in God's presence, and just acknowledge Him for the moment. And I'm standing there, and it's like, oh, man, Lord, you're just so good to me. I can't do anything else, but just I just want to ball here. I just want to hit the catwalk and ball. And then later on, I, I walk downstairs, and I'm working on some machines at work. I'm just, I operate one of the press, some of the presses, and I'm, I'm in between the presses, and I'm just making additives there as well. And I'm starting to think about the things that are ahead of me the challenges and the trials that are ahead. And I, start, and I start to think about my family and how they're going to come through. And how are we going to be able to cope if, if this doesn't happen or if that doesn't happen? Or we've got a season of something coming up where I'm not too sure if everything's going to be okay. And I start to hear in my, in my heart, I just start to hear, We make miracle works, promise keep. Light in the darkness, oh my God, that is who you are. And then I worship. Understand that worship isn't confined to a place. You are free to worship wherever you are. When you walked into the foyer this morning, the guys in the red shirts that shook your hand, when they shook your hand, that was an act of worship them today. As you walked in and the guys, the band was going, and as they worshipped and as they led you in worship this morning, that was another act of worship this morning. As Teresa called out a welcome and as she asked the ushers to bring forward uh, the offering bags and you gave into the bag, understand that was an act of worship today. And today here, as we hear from the Word, gleaning from the Word, I'm in worship right now as we worship together. Worship is more than just the 30 minutes that you come on a Sunday morning to sing a song. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is how you ought to live. Worship is how our hearts are postured toward God in every decision that we make. It's worth Ship, and there is nothing more worthy of your worship than our God. Nothing more worthy of your adoration and your time and your focus than worshiping our God. But the thing is, if you don't like to sing, then don't sing. When you're here in a corporate sense, I want you to sing, yes, but if you're at home and singing is not your thing, you like to go for a walk, go for a walk and worship God 
through your walk. If you like to go for a bike ride or go for a run, go and do what God has given you a passion for and return it to Him in worship. Yes, God's given us passions for things, but those passions are meant to be returned to Him in worship. Amen? Worshipping God means that we are called to worship God whether or not we feel like it. We worship Him anyway. But also, if we're coming to worship God, you're called to worship in any way. Any way possible. Any way possible. If you don't like to sing, like we said, if you don't like to sing, then don't sing. That's all right. You can, you can clap your hands. If you don't like to clap your hands, go for a run. If you don't like to go for a run, then stay in your house and stay under the air conditioner. But whatever you're doing, worship God with the time. Pull your ideas of worship being about a band and whether or not you get the heebie-jeebies in your, in your stomach and you're just feeling the bubbles all bubbling up inside and say, Woo, worship! I love to worship God like this. It's easy to worship God like this when the atmosphere is amped, but when you're by yourself, in your home, and you're going through a tough time because... You don't know when the next check is going to come. You don't even know if the lights are going to stay on. You know, you don't even know where the next meal is coming from. You're trying to scrape together some butter and eggs for your kids and like, you don't know what's going to happen. Worship then. Why? Because God is still worthy in our valleys of our worship. It's easy to worship when we're in a good place. Easy to worship when the atmosphere is just hype. This morning it was easy to worship, wasn't it? Easy to worship. But when you walk out of here, it becomes a little bit hard. Yeah? So worship the way that God's created you to worship. Worship through the passion that God has placed in your heart. Worship with the talents. If you like to talk to people, that's perfect. God can use that if you worship Him through conversation. Amen? I'm going to ask the team to come up. And as the team comes up, we're going to sing a song. Uh, and you may know the song, you may not know the song, but it's a very simple song. The song says, To worship you I live, to worship you I live, I live to worship you. That's all it is. And today, like we said, your, your spirit man knows who daddy is. Your spirit man knows exactly who it is meant to worship. But this morning, I want us to bring our hearts, our, our bodies, sorry, our bodies and our minds in alignment with our hearts, with our spirits. Because naturally, your spirit wants to worship God. I know that. So as we worship this morning, I, I don't want you to be bound by seats. I don't, I don't want you to be bound by where you are. If you want to dance, then dance. Worship God and dance.
If you need to yell because of what God's done in your life, then yell. But don't let another moment pass being dictated on how you are to worship because of how you feel. Let's make up our minds this morning that God is infinitely worthy of our praise and our worship, whether I feel like it or not. Because a lot of the time we just don't. A lot of the time we just don't feel like worshiping. But I tell you, all the time, God is worthy of your worship. All the time, He is worthy of you lifting up a hand and lifting up praises to His name. All the time. Because we, we like to compartmentalize our lives, just like worship on this end and prayer on this side and reading the Word over here and fasting over here. Just stand with me today as the team leads us.